Welcome to the Vadam Chain with Carl. Howdy, Rowdies, and welcome to the first episode of the Badum Chain with Carl. Who am I? Well, my name is Carl Roberts III, CR3 to many, Carlito to even more, and friends to very few. The Badum Ching. What does that mean? Well, if you're familiar with jokes at all, uh, somebody tells a one-liner and the drummer goes, right? That's called the Badum Ching. Why do I know that? Because I looked it up online and... That's how it was spelled. If it's online, it's true. So it's called the Badam Ching, man. So who am I? Basically, I'm an overeducated percussionist that decided to pursue my lifelong dream of stand-up comedy about two years ago. So why do you want to listen to this? What is it? Well, basically, I want this show to be a thing where I interview comedians who express themselves in other artistic mediums, man. Like be it through music, visual art, poetry, that kind of thing, you know. And if you stick with me long enough, hopefully we can like hear stories of these funny people and see how art as a whole has impacted their lives, man. Also, you know, like I want to like learn my journey. I want you guys to hear my journey as I talk with these people and find scope between their pursuits and my own ever evolving story as it unfolds. So, without further ado, episode number one, man, Sean Parrott. Sean Parrott is a Nashville comedian, been on the scene for a long time. He has a comedy record under his belt. He has several music albums under his belt. And he's a guitar player. And even better, he's my guitar player every Tuesday night in East Nashville at Ultimate Comedy at the East Room. The band's called the Grey Grays. So without further ado, man... Let's hear Sean Parrott see what he had to say. He's one of my favorite comics and one of my favorite people, man. So here we go. Tang, tang, ring ding. Thank you. Some of you look confused. Tang, tang, ring ding is my catchphrase. With most comics, you know that the jokes are over because you begin to laugh. But that doesn't always happen with my jokes. So I've got a catchphrase. Here's how it works. So I've been dating one of these Butterfingers girls, you know what I mean? Butterfingers? <laughs> She's got a hot body, but her fingers, yuck! Tang, tang, ring ding! Get your t-shirts after the show! Sean, how you doing, man? Oh, man, you know, I gotta tell you, Carl, first of all, it's such a pleasure to be on the show. Second of all, I'm doing great. Life, I don't know if you've noticed, but life is so beautiful right now, and I'm just happy to be living it. Are you, are you staying safe? Are you staying safe? I am one of the safest people I know right now. I can believe it. But I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I am unemployed currently. Mm. And maybe forever. If I mean, if it keeps going, it may may be unemployed forever. Um, But that's good. Like, this is one of the only times ever that it's like really cool to be unemployed. Because I just get to stay home. Um, I go to get like some Popeyes maybe once a week. Mm -hmm. Just to try to get a little bit of joy in my life. And then other than that, I just sit at the house. I just look at Twitter. I just see all the misery that's going on in the world. And uh, that's it. Yeah, so life is good. How's life your good. life going, Carl? <laughs> you know, we're, we're sharing a very similar uh, pattern of life other than like I'm on the front lines, you know. like Oh, like, yes, you are a social worker. Yeah, my, my restaurant never closed, you know. So like that's the scariest part of my life, you know. Yes. Um, how, how have you stayed safe? Like I, you have not had any sickness at all, right? No, no. Um, I think 
I'm very lucky because since I work in that kitchen by myself, you know, so yeah. I'm able to stay away from most people all the time anyway. Good. So that and, you know, just trying to be vigorous about the masks and the washing the hands and, and everything yes. like that. But I'm really fortunate to work secluded anyway. I think that's really been the most beneficial for me. You yes. Know? But like I, other than that, man, like, like I'm living like you are, man. Like I'm staying at home, you know, like maybe ordering Grubhub too late oh, yeah. one night, you know, feeling Ooh. a little guilty the next day, you know, that yes. food guilt where you just draw the shades, you know, and don't want anybody to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I've eaten too much. What have you been Grubhubbing lately, if uh, I may ask? Do we want to get into it? Um, yes. Well, my, my, I've had two um, mistresses in my life, and they're called Taco Bell <laughs> and Crystal. And I've never, I've never been able to shake them, man. You know, and like once you open that Pandora's box, you know, oh, yeah. it, it's hard to, hard to put it back. Those are really great choices. And they're really like stupid choices too, because you can just go pick them up. <laughs> oh know? yeah. So like, but you know, I'm spending too much on it, but it's, it's been worth it every time. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's so good. Can I talk shit about Taco Bell as much as I love Taco Bell? Absolutely. This is how much I love Taco Bell is that like, I've never had a good service experience there. Mm-hmm. Like never once has it been easy. I don't think they've ever gotten my order right ever in history. But I still go there. <laughs> as many times as I can. I just love it so much that even if they give me something that is wrong, they give, they give me the wrong burrito. It's like, ah, it's still good. It yeah, still yeah. tastes good. I don't care. You can justify it, you know, but I, I'm going to get down and dirty on Taco Bell right now. Ooh. Uh, like a month ago, they had a promotion where you would get a free $5 Chalupa box. If you just got on the app and you ordered it and you know no what? what, you know what happened? No. The entire app just died. It didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work all day long. <laughs> it was bombarded with everybody wanting the. the oh free yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. sure there were like you know the 40 million different people who are unemployed right now are like, well, I sure could use five dollars of free food. Sean Perry. So yes, Sean, sir. being the the comedian that you are, and, and mm-hmm. I don't know how many people know it, but you also do music, which is yes. why I wanted you on the show. Oh, thank but, you. Uh, I got, you know, let's start from the beginning, man. Like, like, who's like some of your early influences in comedy, man? Like coming up. Oh, okay. Um, well, the the ones that are obvious to me, I don't know if they're obvious to anyone who listens to my comedy, but when I listen to my comedy, it seems very obvious that I'm stealing from these people. Mm-hmm. Like my two kind of main formative comedy experiences were. Uh, like, I loved Dave Chappelle when I was, like, 16 and 17. Absolutely. And, I mean, I still love him now, but, like, really then, th- those, are, those are the times when you get into comedy. And uh, a friend of mine burned his Killing Them Softly special onto a yes. CD. Mm-hmm. And so I listened to that a billion times. And also Brian Regan's first record, which I think is just Brian Regan Live. Mm. And it has, like, the snow cone bit. It has, like, all the classic Regan bits. And those were those were the main ones. Wow. I mean, I listened to other stand up and, you know, I listened to like New Heart and old school shit like that. But really, it was Regan and Chappelle. I think there's probably no way ever on earth that you would listen to me and think, wow, that guy really likes Chappelle. But um, I hear it when I listen to myself, especially yeah. when I go back and watch him. I go, oh, I, I stole that idea. I mean, nice. not. Not the joke, but like I stole the way he does that thing. Sure, 
I mean, did I mean like so? You were around sixteen, seventeen when mm-hmm. you were starting to get into this stuff. Was there a time where you thought, oh, maybe, maybe I could I can do this too? You know. Um, I guess in college, I never did it in college. I lived, I went to school in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is kind of like a small town, and I don't think there was any comedy there, as far as I know. Um, but maybe there was improv. I mean, I did improv, but that's not comedy. Um, no, no offense to improv. Uh, uh, that's not, it is. That's an improv line. That's an improv line, you know. Yes. I just made that up (laughs) off the top of my head, but it's not, it's not comedy. Um, yeah. So I, there, I think there were like friends of mine who told me I was funny. I guess this is probably the beginning of any person's, uh, doing comedy or trying to be funny more often is like just people told me that I was funny. And I guess I thought I was funny, but then when people said it, I went, oh, maybe I'm funny. But I didn't start doing stand-up until after college. I, okay. I moved to Nashville after college. And back then there was one open mic and there were a bunch of bar shows. Uh, well, not a bunch. There were like a few bar shows. And what year so was basically, that? Wow. I'm afraid <laughs> to say. Um, let's see. What year was it? I bet it was... 2006 maybe has it been that long oh that's depressing um i think i think it was sometime around then and there was this spot called the bar car and um it was just like a like any open mic is a horrible open mic just a bad time but yeah that was the one so like i would write I don't think I quite understood comedy yet because I would write a new five minutes every week mm-hmm. for probably the first six or eight months that I did comedy. I was just wow. like, okay, every I'm going to write every single week. I just wrote new jokes. I never edited any of the old jokes. I just wrote new jokes. Sure. Eventually I was like, oh, at some point you have to you know, work on these and make these better. You can't just write them one time. But I think it got a lot of stuff out of my system. I think I got a lot of bad jokes out of my system real fast because I just kept writing and writing and writing. I think there's a certain importance to that big time, you know, like just how many people do we see doing the same thing every week? And it's just like, all right, man, you got this time to move on. You know, and like, I've always admire you for that. Cause you still push like at the uh, East room every week, you got new bits, new bits, new bits. You might bring an open back time to time, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're still, doing that man I, and something that Thank i've always you. admired uh, yeah i mean work, I, man. I talk to my student i have like a teach a stand-up class and it's just like an intro to stand-up class mm-hmm. and that is kind of one of the main things i teach my students is like right now it's good to work really hard on these jokes and to make them good but also in six months you will hate these jokes and you will want to write new jokes and there's a certain point in your quality as a stand-up comedian where you'll want to keep even the ones you hate. But when you first start, you'll probably want to get rid of most of the ones that you write. Because <laughs> you're, I mean, it's like, this is another thing I talk a lot about in class is it's the only thing, I think it's the only art form that you have to do publicly from the very beginning. I mean, you can kind of play guitar and you can get pretty good and you can record it and you can listen to it and you can get an idea like, oh, I'm getting pretty good. I can play along with Clapton on this, on fucking Layla. I'm getting pretty good. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing stand up and you're just in your room talking to yourself for hours, I mean, you may get a little bit better, 
But where you really get better is just you go in front of people, you say the joke that you thought was funny, and if they laugh, you succeeded. You are funny. And if <clears> you didn't laugh, well, that's not a funny joke, or it needs to be fixed. Or right. in a rare occasion, it's a bad crowd. But I try not to think about that possibility because good comedians say there are no bad crowds. <laughs> I, I think there are bad crowds, but really good comedians say that there are not bad crowds. But it's a good challenge to yourself, too, you know, and because you keep it intrinsic, right? Yes. Self-motivating, you know, like you don't blame other people for your work, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, there's something about, eh, I mean, I think there are comedians who are very good for specific audiences. And I think I'm in many ways that kind of comedian. But I try, I mean... I try to make my comedy sort of a force of will where like, and sometimes to my detriment where uh, like, I'm telling the jokes as if they're doing good. <laughs> All right, man. So let's talk about music a little bit, man. Like, like I'm curious to know, like when you started playing, like what was your first instrument? How old were you? Okay. Um, I did almost nothing until like my senior year of high school. And I don't know why, but I guess I had gotten into music enough that I wanted to play guitar. Yeah. Uh, so I had like a guitar teacher. And, oh, you did? And cool. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm unfortunately not a guy who is sentimental enough to remember what his name was, but I'm very appreciative of the fact that he taught me a guitar because he was a very nice guy and um, he like gave me weird scales, <laughs> which was nice. Yeah. Like I was just starting and he was like, here's some jazz scales. I mean, I don't know how to play jazz, but... He just like gave me weird shit and was like, hey, you should listen to this weird thing that I like. Oh, you like that weird thing? Well, listen to this other weird thing. So he was like a cool, uh, if you're, there's no chance you're listening, but if you're listening, my guitar teacher, <laughs> thank you so much. And tell Man, me how, who you are. <laughs> like how hip uh, is that though? Like not, how many teachers, you know, they're just, I'll play this major scale and I'll play this other scale. And then in three months, you'll learn maybe a blues scale. He just came out of the gate and said, learn this crazy jazz scale. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. He gave me a bunch of weird shit. And I, I think it, it meant almost nothing to me at the time. And it probably means even less to me now because like, I think I know less about music than I did when I was a kid, but um, like, I don't know how to read music. Unfortunately, I just don't, I mostly don't understand music, but um, it was like, Oh, okay. This is weird shit. And I can make weird noises with that. So there's something e useful about, learning how to make weird noises. Sure, I guess, at, I don't know when I got a keyboard. At some point I got a keyboard and a drum machine because mm -hmm. I wanted to write my own music. And that's what, and, I was, that's what I'm curious about too. Like, like so okay. stop there for a second. Like, like, at what point did you get to there and say, I want to start, you know, making my own music? I think it was pretty fast. Yeah. Because, um, because I... I was, I know that I was playing music in front of people in college, like okay. my f a little bit freshman year when like kind of friends of mine found out that I was playing music, but like, especially as college went on, I, I had like a little, one of these tape four tracks, like cassette tape four tracks and I had my drum machine mm -hmm. and I don't, I think the way it ended up working because I was in a dorm room is I was writing songs 
and I had my drum machine and I could program the drums. And then I don't think I had my keyboard with me. So I think when I went home for breaks or summer or Christmas, I would like record the songs and then like give cassette copies to my friends and be like, hey, here's here's these songs I wrote about stuff. I hope you like them, which sounds incredibly embarrassing as I think about it now. I mean, giving your first songs (laughs) to someone on a cassette tape to potentially listen to forever. (laughs) Wow. Why would I do that? But you're so excited about it, right? This is such a new venture for you and you're you know, developing a new passion, you know, like I applaud that. Like I've always been yeah. too afraid to show anybody anything. You know, I was like, no, no, no. You know, just, you know, humble to a fault. So I, I admire sure. that, you know, you're like, Hey man, here it is. Check it out. Like, it. I think, yeah, like it was probably just a foolish lack of humility or not, maybe not even humble humility related. I think it probably was just like not even thinking about the fact that a, a old version of me would really cringe at the idea of this, <laughs> which is good because, like, the yeah. old version of me is like, ah, ugh, ugh, don't do that. Mm-hmm. So maybe the young version of me was right. Ah, damn it. You're smarter <laughs> than me. You're just so much smarter. Do you still have those early recordings? I bet I have them somewhere. Wow. Um, my At the very least, I may have the cassette somewhere. I think I do have the cassette somewhere. Um, I bet I could find them. I don't know. I may have to call some friends from college to see if they still have the tapes, which is probably a long shot. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, st- I still got the cassette tape that you gave me 20 years ago. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Is that when college was? Oh, God, this is bringing up so many horrible numbers, like 20. What a horrible number 20 is. Uh, yeah, add that by two, you know. There we go. Oh no. Yeah, it's fine. Everything's so like fine. so like when so you've got officially you have uh two albums out currently, like music records, correct? Yes, two solo albums. Two solo albums. And the first one came out two thousand seventeen. You wanna tell them so. what that one's called? Yes, them, I do. Yes, tell them. It is called the Death of Love, technically. It's not spelled that way, but right. it is called The Death of Love. Yes. It's spelled the D-T-H-O-V-E-L-O-F. <laughs> and there's, I don't know why, I decided, someone tried to talk me out of calling it that when I first recorded it, mm-hmm. but I did it anyway, which should I regret? Maybe, but it's too late. It's already out there in the world. I can't take it back. So that's what it's called. I thought it'd be love. fun. It's like everything's three Thus three, DTH is three, OVE is three, LOF is three, and the end of love is OVE, so that's of, and LOF of the the word OF is is of, so of love should in in my head it was really clever. I don't know if it turned out as clever as I thought it would be, but when I when I first thought of it, I was like. Man, this is going to look good on a piece of paper when I write it down. Sure. They're all threes. I don't know, man. I'm I'm sorry about well, you, all this. But also you have that record that's all twos too, right? So it's the Doctor oh, BFMD. Oh, yes. You know? Maybe I'm into numbers. Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. I was listening to that record earlier today, man. Like <laughs> the opening track. Yes. That, it was just so fun. You know, like it straight up feels like, 
could this be a Nintendo game or could this be the end of a 80s soundtrack? Yes. Well, you that's know. a dream. Yeah, that, that is. Yeah. If I could make both of those happen at the same time. <laughs> Not many people have written songs about a doctor who can butt fuck you into health. But, <laughs> I didn't want but, to give it away, but yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Spoiler alert. You did. No, no, it's your own spoiler. <laughs> I wanted you to spoil it yourself. <laughs> okay, I spoiled it. Okay. I'm back. All right, so check yes. this out, man. Like, I, I saw a thing today that said it's 99 days till Halloween. And oh. I know that, that, you know, you, like myself, enjoy Halloween. I love Halloween. And speaking of Halloween, you have a Halloween-themed record that came out last October yes. called The Hag. The and Hag. The Hag. And uh, my uh, understanding is that you drew a lot of inspiration from the music of John Carpenter. Yes, absolutely. I yeah. mean, um, I'd say it's almost, it's roughly half just regular pop songs like I would regularly write, kind of silly pop songs, and then half Carpenter, Goblin, kind of horror movie music. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like um, when, when did you really get into like John Carpenter's music? Oh, it's been relatively recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have liked, I think maybe in the past couple of years, I have gotten all the way into Carpenter. Like, I have liked the thing for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And I've liked Halloween and stuff like that, but in the past few years, I've just kind of gotten all in on all Carpenters. Just like first 10 movies or so, that's all perfect for me. I'll, I'll keep it all. And um, I think part of it was at some point noticing how much, especially trap music, but like modern pop music is kind of inspired by that sort of like repetitive spookiness. Mm-hmm. Like so many trap beats are like kind of spooky synth, over and over again, sometimes, I mean, some of the songs now are just like, it's spooky, repetitive synth for two and a half minutes. Sure. And that's the whole song. And there's a beat, but that is basically the song. There is like a spooky riff that they riff on for the whole time, and there's rapping over it or they're singing over it, and that is the song. And I was like, well, that's, I mean, that's essentially Carpenter. Right, He's, and it's, it's almost like a dirge, you know, where it's just... yeah. Or an ostinato, you know, it's just repeating itself over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that adds a certain cringiness to it, you know, because I think think the ear wants to hear a change, you know, so to not do that, I think just creates a tension in itself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think that it may, I don't know what it is that makes people want to be spooked out now. And also there is something there's something interesting to me about the idea that like, okay, in like 77 or 78, I guess Halloween came out. Mm -hmm. um, They, they wrote, he wrote this music because he wanted it to be creepy. But now it's like a thing that you listen to and you have a great time. It's, I don't know if we have gotten uh, numb to being scared or that our Times are more scared, so uh, scary music is more appropriate for dancing now. (laughs) But, like, if you... I mean, there's not that much difference between kind of John Carpenter's music and a lot of pop music now. So I think that is where I saw 
that's sort of where I saw the combination of the two. It's like, oh, okay, since it's not that far off, why not put them together? Yeah. You know, I, you know, everything is kind of 80s music now anyway, so might as well kind of make a spooky 80s music, I guess was the theory, if there is a theory. I guess there's a theory. I've talked about it long enough that there must be a theory. There's got to be a theory, yeah. <laughs> it's a very campy record, like like in the, in the best way. Like literally they're camping, but yeah, I mean, like you got some really great hooks on it too, and it is spooky fun, you know. Thank you. So yeah, Thank you, you nailed it. I'm, so I mean, that is sort of the intention. It's, I... I guess um, at least with uh, longer records, it, it's very helpful for me to have a concept. Mm-hmm. Like The Death of Love and The Hag both have a concept, and it's just easier to think of things to write about. I mean, I guess they th- kind of, by virtue of the way that I think about life, they're sort of about romance and you know silly, childish stuff like that because those are the kind of things that I care about. But um, it's it's helpful for me, like, okay, well, this is how I can make the record feel like it uh, has dynamism. You know, it's like, okay, well, if it's about a three-act structure, then I know, okay, I need three or four songs that are or meeting people, and then sure. I need three songs that are about, uh, you know, sp- spooky things start happening, and I need more songs about battles, and then, you know... Yeah, and it just gives you like like guideposts to yes to work absolutely off of, you know absolutely yes uh, yeah so lastly man like like I know you got I've been uh, rating your SoundCloud which folks all these recordings we're talking about are on SoundCloud am oh, I correct are they? yeah they're still on there well uh, the Doctor MF the or Doctor BF the Hag and this last one I want to talk about which was released in March. So right at the beginning of this pandemic, and it's called lying on a blanket, looking at clouds. Oh yes. So like just one song and you know, oh, this you talk, is on Bandcamp, not SoundCloud. That's what I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. No, Bandcamp. it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On Bandcamp. Yes. Correct. Uh, and now I want to talk about the song cause it's an instrumental and it, it, and it really ties in what you're talking about, about like a repetitive feeling, you know, yes. but the thing about this is like this song struck me because it is, has like this very like serene sound to it, like 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 a hopeful sound almost. And, it, yes. and you, you released it right before all this the world shut down. You know, yeah. Have you thought well, about that? <laughs> I mean, it was. I think it had already. There had been a slight beginning. I think I was already. It was post tornado for me. Okay. So I don't know if it was pre or kind of right at the beginning of COVID craziness. Honestly, the reason I made it, one, I had started writing like really angry music Mm -hmm. and um, I was like, this doesn't, I, if I don't want to listen to this music now, so I probably shouldn't put it out because I was like, I I already feel angry enough and I feel kind of in a bad mood all the time. (laughs) So I probably don't, I, I think people are in enough of a bad mood and I was like, ah, maybe I'll do something that's nice. And like part, I mean, part of the thing going along with, with the John Carpenter thing is kind of the craft work thing, like this kind of electronic music thing mm-hmm. that I've been into for a long time. So I was like, ah, why don't I, I've always kind of been obsessed with that sort of sound. So why don't I kind of try to do something sort of like that? So that's, yeah, that's how I ended up working on that one. It's like, I want to do something that's nice, something that's sweet, 
something that is, if I listen to it, like I don't feel angry. And as I'm playing it, I don't feel angry. Like that was part of the reason that I was kind of abandoned some of the stuff that I was working on. Cause I was just like listening to it and like hitting the keys and being <clears throat> fucking pissed off. I was like, ah, I feel this enough already. I, I don't need to be pissed off. Yes, ideally. Though I I have been kind of thinking of more ideas for punk rock songs recently, so that may end up being angry anyway. It's coming back around. Wait, you know, you uh, make a good point. I was was curious to know, Sean, like what projects are you currently doing, both musically, comedically? You can tell about your podcast, please. Oh, yes. Okay. There's tons of stuff. Okay. I mean, as far as stand-up, is concerned i mean i've been writing jokes but all of them feel very uh very stuck in the concrete of right now Mm -hmm. it's like well these are just jokes about covid and being uncertain and i don't know if i want to talk about that once this is if slash if this is once slash if this is over i don't know if i want to (laughs) ever think about it again um but i've been writing jokes Uh, i've been working on kind of I did an EP that was called Fuck Trump. And it was like kind of... One word or two? Uh, two words. Okay. And it's... I mean, it is hopefully self-consciously generic punk rock music, but I, it's it's fun to write kind of generic punk rock music. So I've been trying to work on more stuff. To oh, all punk rock's generic, Sean. Oh, that's true. That is, it is. <laughs> I mean, if you've only... If you have to play really fast... It's it's hard for it to be interesting because you're playing fast and there's only so many chords you can fit into there. Boring. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> Why do people listen to this crap? Um, but I've been working on some songs like that. And uh, most importantly, uh, I have a podcast called Food Court Movie Podcast where yes. in the real world, in the pre-times, uh, we go to the movies, we eat some food in the food court, then we talk about eating the food and we talk about going to the movies. Right now, it's different than that. We just watch a movie and we talk about watching the movie because we can't, hopefully we can't go to a movie theater for a while. But it's called Food Court Movie Podcast. It's on all the podcast apps. We do a live Twitch every Wednesday at 10, 9 central on Twitch. So you can join us there. Subscribe on all the, please subscribe on all the things. Would you? And finally, we, we'd be amiss not to talk about your comedy record, too. Yes. Tang, tang, ring, ding. Tang, right? tang, ring, ding. Yes. Such um, a fun that, record. I was listening to that again earlier, and it's just, okay. it's just so good, man. Like, you got Thank some you. great bits on there, which I haven't heard ever again because you don't do those anymore because they're so prolific. But it's very, it's very good, man. It's very, very good. Thank you, you so much. And, and thank you for giving me a T-shirt that said Tang Tang Ring Ding. Oh, yes. You remember when David Tell came to town and I was sitting yes. front row and he roasted me for wearing um, that stupid shirt. <laughs> How dare he? That's <laughs> no, a great he, shirt. He, and he they are say, on sale now. You, I still have a few. You can come. If you know where my house is, knock on the front door wearing a mask and I'll get you one out of my trunk. Or if you know which one is my car, you can break the trunk open and take some. That's perfect. Uh, yeah. If you know which one my car is, feel free to take all of my shirts because then I won't have to sell them. And then maybe I can get insurance money. Okay, yeah, that's actually a great idea. So please do break into my trunk and steal all my shirts. 
Thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> you heard <laughs> it here. All my shirts. You heard it here first, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Well, Sean, did you have fun? Did you, did you have fun? This is the greatest, probably the greatest, uh, let's see, how long has it been? 33 minutes? This oh. is the greatest amount of time I've ever had in my life. Tang, exactly. tang. <laughs> tang, tang, ring, ding. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Carl. Would you like to walk? Hey, thanks for listening, man. We did it. Got some people to thank real fast. Thanks, Taylor Stringer, for hooking up the artwork. Follow her on Instagram, Taylor Stringer. Gotta thank Seth Pomeroy for his editing prowess. The Baldy from Aldi. He doesn't work there. He just likes to hang out there. Find him on Instagram and MySpace and dating apps all over this great land. I'm gonna leave you with one thing, man. Naked Lakin. This is the track we're listening to. Sean Parrott. Take it away, man. Let's get real close and conserve warmth Squeezing This lake feels gross We should get out, get dressed Cool shower, rinse off the cesspool I thought we left our stuff here Wait, do you see that light we're on? Take off all my clothes and you'll take off your shoes.